Well, good morning, Edinburgh. <laughs> it's good to be here with you. Um, I want to say if you are a guest with us this morning, hey, we're so glad to have you. Just a warm welcome. Uh, if you're watching online, glad you're tuned in. I just want to say, hey, way to go, everybody, making it to, to church uh, this morning. So glad you're here. Uh, we're kicking off a new series um, today called A Time or Time for a Change. Uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to be dealing with these topics that help us in our spiritual transformation, ultimately to help us become uh, more like Jesus Christ. Uh, it was probably two years ago when my kids found this caterpillar outside, and so we thought it'd be kind of neat to put it on a stick and, and bring it inside, and we put it in a jar in the kitchen and just kind of watched this caterpillar. Uh, I don't remember how much time went by, but I remember we came downstairs one morning, and the caterpillar wasn't crawling around anymore. It was in a cocoon, and it was in this cocoon for about a week, when one day we're in the kitchen, and it's no longer in a cocoon. It's a beautiful monarch butterfly. And so I took the stick out of this jar very carefully. We walked it outside and put the stick that this butterfly is now hanging from gently onto the front porch. But it didn't do anything. It just kind of hung there. And so my son, Logan, said to me, Dad, you killed it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, son, I didn't kill it. It just needs a little time, okay, before it flies away. So we went inside, and we probably let four or five hours go by. That evening, we went outside to, to check on the, the butterfly, thinking it would have flown away. It was still there, still hanging on the stick. I'm thinking to myself, I did kill it. I don't know what I did, but I killed this butterfly. So Logan said, well, let's just see. I'll poke it with a stick. I said, son, do not do that. Give the stick to your dad. I'm going to poke it. I want to poke it. So I took the stick, and I gently just kind of poked it. And sure enough, this monarch butterfly spread its wings, began to flap them, and took off into the sky. Then a giant bird came down and swallowed this butterfly whole. Um, no, that last part didn't happen, but it, it probably would have made for a cooler story if it had, but we did watch this butterfly transform from a caterpillar into this creature that could fly, okay? And I believe that is God's desire uh, for us, uh, that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. I, I want you to just ask yourself this question real quick. Where do you want to be in five years? Where, where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself in five years? Do you even think about that? Maybe in five years you're a more patient person. And you don't struggle with the anger issues you struggle with today at least as much. Maybe in five years you have more joy. And you are a more joy-filled person. Or maybe in five years you have less debt in your life. And you feel more financial freedom. God wants us to grow, and I believe this, you all have more potential than you might think. And so that's what this series is about. And this morning's topic that I'm going to deal with is, is, is key for life transformation. I'm going to talk about our thoughts, our thought life, what goes on in our minds. Growing up, I had a dog named Ralph, and Ralph was an Australian shepherd dog. 
wasn't a huge dog, but a very strong dog, a very fast dog. And there were many times as a kid where I would take Ralph on, on these walks, on the leash, and if Ralph saw a squirrel or a stray cat or just even a fire hydrant down the road where he wanted to mark his territory, Ralph would take off. And as a kid, I was powerless to keep that leash in my hand. That, that leash would slip through my fingers, and Ralph would take off, and it would take me hours to get Ralph back under control. Well, it's one thing when our dog does that. It's another thing when our minds do that. This morning, what I want to talk about is helping us to better manage our minds, to work on our thought life so that we can experience the transformation God wants for us. Now, right off the bat, I'm just going to give you three quick reasons why your mind matters. The first reason your mind matters is because your thoughts control your life. My thoughts control my life. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Did you hear that? Your life is shaped by the way you think. If you have fearful thoughts and anxious thoughts, the reality is you are probably going to see the world as a fearful place and you probably won't take many necessary risks or steps of faith in your life. However, if your mind is filled with the promises of God, you will probably be more likely to take those necessary risks and steps of faith that God honors and blesses in our life. What goes through your mind is going to shape the way you live. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? How does God transform us? By changing the way you think. The NIV says by renewing your mind. Why is this important? Because then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. By changing the way you think, you will change the way you live, and you will have a better understanding of what God's will and purpose for your life is. Okay, so that's the first reason. Your thoughts will control your life. Secondly, uh, your mind is the battleground for sin. You might not know this, but your, your mind is where the battle for sin um, and, and whether you are victorious or not takes place. Romans 7, we read this, I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, okay, I am a slave to sin. The Bible teaches that every single one of us, except for Jesus Christ, Okay, has a sin nature. That's why Jesus was able to be perfect and sinless. He did not have a sin nature. He wasn't born with a sin nature. The rest of us, we were born with a sin nature, a propensity to, to do that which goes against God's word, God's will for our lives. It, it's that self-destructive tendency that we all have um, within us. And, and there's a war taking place in our mind. Are we going to do what God's word says? Or are we going to do what that sin nature is telling us to do? Now, here's the good news. The Apostle Paul, he goes on to say this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. 
Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So the good news for us is that with Jesus' help, you and I can begin fighting back against that sin nature. And you and I can begin winning more battles than we lose. We will never be perfect here on earth. We will always struggle with that sin nature. But we can begin winning more battles than we lose with Jesus' help. But you need to know that's where the battleground for sin takes place. It takes place in your mind. Here's the third reason your mind matters. It's because it's the key to peace and happiness. Your mind is the key to peace and happiness. Romans 8, 6, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. By death here, he means despair, no hope. But letting the spirit control your mind, it leads to life having hope, a sense of purpose, joy, and it leads to peace, okay? Many of us, we want God to change our circumstances, and it's good and okay to pray and ask God to change your circumstances when needed, but I need you to understand this. God is far more interested in changing you and changing the way you think than he is about changing your circumstances. God is more interested in changing you from the inside out and changing your perspective on life. And he does that by changing the way we, we think. This is why you can be a person who has it all, and you can be wealthy and, and have it all, and still be miserable. And this is why you can be a person who has very little, and yet still be contented, and still have happiness and peace in your life. Okay? It has to do with how you think. Now, this morning, I'm going to teach us five habits that can help us um, with the way we think to have more mental health um, and, and, and so we, that we can be transformed. It is based on Scripture, but I want you to hear this. A lot of this is born out of personal experience, too. Okay? Uh, even as a young Christian, I have struggled with my mind over the, the years, especially in the early years. I struggled. My mind, like Ralph, uh, getting loose on that leash would just take off and would spiral out of control. And I would have these thoughts. I'd be like, where did that thought come from? And my mind would, would run wild. Thoughts of, of condemnation, thoughts of fear. Okay, can anybody relate to that? Anybody ever have their mind spiral out of control? You see a hand, anybody? Am I the only one? The rest of you are liars, all right? I, I love you. Uh, well, we will, we will deal with lying on a different occasion. No, many of us, many of us struggle with this. Thoughts, we're like, where did that come from? The enemy plants thoughts that are not of God in our mind. Our own sin nature puts thoughts that are not of God's word in, in our mind. And so we've got to learn how to better manage our, our minds. Okay? Um, something that I had to learn along the way was even when my mind was spinning out of control, I, I had to learn that, yes, I was broken, but I wasn't crazy. If you have a mind that spins out of control, and you would like to get that better under control, I want you to hear this morning, you are broken, but you are not crazy. Okay, crazy people, they don't care. <laughs> They're not trying to, to fight back. In fact, they might even, I don't know, maybe just enjoy it to some degree. But if you're a person who says, no, I want better control over my mind. I want to start fighting back. Yes, you're broken, but you are not crazy. Can we just say that this morning? 
Can you just say, I am broken, but I am not crazy? Okay. We, we, we need God's help, but we are not crazy. And so this morning what I'm going to do is I'm going to teach us five habits that I think can help us all better manage our mind and experience that transformation. Here's the first one. I've got to think on God's word. I've got to think on God. Now, I know if you're kind of like stepping into church for the first time or it's been a while, you're like, ah, I knew it. Pastor was going to talk about this. Listen, this is crucial. Thinking on God's word for your mental health. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. It says all scripture is inspired. That word there literally in the Greek, it means God breathed. I'm not talking here about inspired like an artist might say, I was inspired to paint that painting or inspired to write that song. This is, this is saying God worked through these, these human authors in the Bible, through their personalities and their writing styles to communicate his thoughts with you and me. And so the idea is we want to be filling our minds with those thoughts because God's thoughts are, are good thoughts. And so you want God's thoughts to become your thoughts because God's thoughts are, are good thoughts. It's like you want to get God's word into you. You want it to become a part of your life. You want it to become a part of your thinking and, and even the way you talk. Charles Spurgeon, the old 19th century preacher, he would say, um, I, I want to bleed Bible. I mean, if you cut me open, scriptures... Okay, it's so a part of my life. It's so in me that scripture would come out. He also said, you find a person whose Bible is falling apart because they read it so much, and you will find a person who probably isn't. You find a person whose Bible is falling apart, and you will find a person whose life probably isn't. See, we want to get God's word into us because God's thoughts are good thoughts. We want that to become part of the way we think. Um, a, a couple years ago, I was just having a season where I was in a, kind of just in a funk. And I was just dealing with some depression in my life. And I remember I was out in public and just being attacked with these thoughts. And, and just Psalm 23 came to mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Friends, God's word comforted my soul. This is why we want God's word in us. I'm so thankful that I had memorized, I knew Psalm 23 in that moment. And so I just want to encourage you, consider getting into God's word. Do it in the morning, okay? Before the busyness of life starts, um, you know, make yourself some coffee. Anybody, any coffee drinkers in here? Can we just say thank you, Jesus, for coffee? We know there's coffee drinkers because we give it away for free and we go through gallons of it, all right? 
thank you, Jesus, for, for coffee, to, to sit down. It's, the, it's been like the best part of my day, sitting down with my cup of coffee and reading, diving into the scriptures and filling my mind. By the way, study after study shows what you fill your mind with in the first five to ten minutes of your day will affect your mood and outlook for the rest of the day. Start your day off, get into God's word. Why? Because God's thoughts are good thoughts. You want God's thoughts to become your thoughts. Okay, that's habit number one. Think on God's word. Habit number two, journal your emotions. Journal your emotions. Uh, we've got to learn how to write out uh, our, our, our emotions, what's going on, and just be real with God. Now, there's not a necessarily like a scripture that says you should journal, but do we have biblical like examples and illustrations of, of people journaling? Yeah. We have the book of Psalms. What, what do you think they're doing? I mean, a lot of the Psalms are songs and poems, but a lot of them are just the, the Bible writers, David and others, just pouring out their heart and what they're going through and, and how they feel before God. A great example of this is Psalm 13, where David writes this. He says, how long, Lord? How long? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long with, must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You can just hear this. David's just pouring out his complaint. He's just pouring out his problem before God. But David doesn't stop there. He's honest with God, but he ends this way. He says, God, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. So David doesn't end with his problem. He ends with praise based on God's promise. Maybe some of you have never journaled before. You've never actually like written something out or typed it into a Word document or something like that. The idea is you want to cast your emotions, cast your cares off on God. God tells us to do that. He says he cares for us. So cast your cares off on me, and I, I will help you with those. If you've never done this before, uh, I kind of put a, just a three-step process. You might want to jot these three things down. Consider if you'd like to start journaling. But first, just write what's going on. You know, tell God what's going on. And by the way, I, I, I don't say dear diary. I'm not talking to my diary. I'm talking to God here. It's, it's, it's Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus. Here's the situation. Here, here's what's going on in my life. That's step one. Step two, what are your emotions? Learn to put words with what you're feeling. There's been studies done that showed only 36% of people could match words with their actual emotions, okay? And there's also studies that have been done that show people who have higher emotional intelligence, what's known as EQ, listen to this, are 70 times more likely to outperform people who have higher IQs. Did you hear me? People with higher emotional intelligence are more successful than people with higher intelligence, okay, IQs. So, this is good for us. Learn how to match your words with your emotions. Talk to God about what you're feeling. You will grow in that. Three, give God praise. Don't just end with your problems. End with praise and, and give him thanks. Now, friends, 
This is the key. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be pretty when you journal. You would not be able to read the handwriting in my journal entries. It does not have to be pretty. It can be all over the place. The key is that you are honest. Many of us who grew up in the church, especially, we have a hard time being honest with God. The Bible teaches us that God is a holy God. He is a holy God, but he is not just a holy God. He is also a loving father who cares for you and wants you to come before him and be honest with what you're going through and your emotions. And if you're angry, tell God you're angry. I mean, be brutally honest. If you're dealing with pornography and lust, tell God you're struggling with lust and pornography. Don't be scared to come before God and tell him about your sin. When my kids are struggling, where do I want them coming? I want them coming to their dad. And so learn to be honest and open with God. He talks about confession. He wants you to confess. He wants you to have an open, honest channel with him. Don't be afraid to be brutally honest with God. That's habit number two, journal your emotions. Habit number three, speak truth out loud. Speak truth out loud. Friends, I I can't tell you how important this one is. Whether, Whether you're quoting scripture, or whether you're praying scripture, or whether you're worshiping, like, like we do every Sunday here, and singing these songs that are filled with God's truth. You have got to learn to start speaking God's truths out loud. Okay, the Bible teaches that we are in a spiritual battle. If you didn't know that, we're in a spiritual battle. There's an enemy who wants to plant all kinds of bad thoughts into your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. It's not the kind of war we're in. We're in a spiritual battle here. We need spiritual weapons. He says, on the contrary, these spiritual weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We'll come back to what that means, strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, so what does the Apostle Paul here mean when he talks about strongholds? A stronghold is any lie that you are believing. It's a lie that maybe Satan has planted in your mind. It's a lie that maybe culture, something culture has told you about yourself or someone that you cared about or loved or maybe someone you, you know, you didn't care about, but something they told you that got planted in your mind and it's a lie, it's not true. We tell ourselves lies. And so these become strongholds in our minds. And what the Apostle Paul says is that what we need to do is we need to take these thoughts captive, these lies captive, and we need to make them obedient to Jesus Christ. Okay, this is war language. He's referencing what Rome would do and the way Rome fought uh, in the first century. Rome would not just resist their enemies and be on the defense. Rome was always on the offense. And so what they would do is they would go into these countries or these people groups and they would go into their capital and they would sack the capital and they would take captive the leaders and the officials. 
And then they would replace those leaders and officials with people from Rome, officials from Rome, who would then enforce Roman law and teach the people how to become obedient to the Roman way of life. This is what happened in Israel. Pontius Pilate was appointed by Rome to oversee Israel and make sure Israel was living by the Roman way of life. And so this is what Paul is playing on to teach us how we are supposed to battle those lies in our head. What he's saying is you don't want to just resist the lie and say, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true, and always be on the defense. You actually want to be on the offense, and you want to go in and replace that lie with God's truth. So you don't want to just resist the lie, you want to replace the lie. What is the weapon that we use? Because he just said, our weapon is not of this world. So what is our weapon? Our weapon is the word of God. It's the word of God. We know this from Ephesians 6, where Paul talks about putting on the armor of God, and he says, take up the sword of the Spirit. That's the weapon. And he says, it is the word of God. Friends, you have got to learn how to start fighting back against those lies with the word of God. Not just resisting them, but replacing them. I learned this many years ago when the enemy was just attacking me as a young Christian, telling me all kinds of lies. You know, many of you know my history, you know my story, I've been open and honest about that, you know, come out of drug uh, addiction, and, and through that season of my life, did a lot of terrible things. And so even as a young believer who was fighting to believe in Jesus Christ that he could cover my sin, I had a hard time believing that, and the enemy would show up and telling me I was going to hell. You are still, you going to hell. Jesus, can, he can't be sufficient for you. Not because of the, the things you've done. And this was the war taking place in my mind. And one day, I was in, in, in the parking lot at college, enemy just telling me, you're going to hell. You are going to hell. And I, that's when I learned I had to start fighting back. I'd been reading Romans 8, and Romans 8, 1 came to mind. I just said, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's my weapon. There is no condemnation if you are in Christ Jesus. That's what God tells me. And then my mind went to Romans 8, 28. For we know in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Those who have been called according to his purpose. Friends, do you realize how powerful that verse is? We, we often use that verse in our life to like comfort other people or to comfort ourselves. Friends, that verse is a weapon. What you are saying to the enemy is no matter what you do, no matter what you do to me, God is going to take it, and he is going to work it out for a greater good in my life. That's what that verse is telling you. Our proof of that is the cross. Friends, Romans 8, 28, it's at the heart of the gospel. We're told Satan entered into Judas, who then betrayed Jesus so that Jesus would be put on the cross. Satan was laughing. <laughs> Finally, we're done with this God, man. We're done with him. He's dead. That was Satan's doing. Put Jesus on the cross. Little did he know that God was using Jesus' death on the cross to pay for the sins of the world and to purchase the salvation for all who would believe. And so the worst day in human history, Jesus being crucified on that cross, became the best day in human history. Okay, he, God took it and he worked it out for a greater 
Good. You realize what that means? Satan got played. Satan got played. Satan was playing checkers. God was playing chess. And Romans 8.28 is saying God will do that in your life too. I've often said your greatest misery can become your greatest ministry. That's why I'm standing before you preaching today. It's because born out of pain. But God has taken it and he has used it for a good purpose. He can do that in our lives. And so when you, when Satan's putting those thoughts in your head of kind of what you're telling him is no matter what you do to me, God will take it and he will work it out for a greater good. And when you remind him of that, friends, he can't stand before that. Because you now have the power and he doesn't have it. You're reminding him of how he gets played over and over by God. You have the power because you have God's word. You've, you've got to take it up and, and you've got to start fighting back, not just resisting the lies, replacing the lies with these amazing truths of scripture. Okay, so that's number three. Number four, you've got to guard against garbage. We've got to guard against garbage. You know, we live in a culture that obsesses about um, the things that we put in our, like our bodies, GMOs, red dyes, and all that. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that, being conscientious. But nobody is really talking about all the things we're putting in our minds and, and all the garbage we're, we're putting in our minds. And just like food, there's, there's three kinds of foods that we can eat. There's three kinds of foods that you can put into your mind. The first is healthy foods, nutritional foods, okay? Uh, things like God's word. And in fact, um, we read this in Philippians 4. Um, I think we have a verse. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Are you hearing this? This is what you want to fix your thoughts on. Think about things that are excellent and, and worthy of praise. You know, it, Scripture is obviously key, but it doesn't just have to be Scripture. It can be things, the beauty of creation. You know, the Bible tells us the heavens declare the glory of God. It can be something heroic that, that somebody's done in culture. I mean, th there are all kinds of things we can fix our minds on that have nutritional value, and this is what Paul is saying. You need to fix your mind on because it's healthy for the way you think. The other kind of food that we can put in our mind, though, is junk food. We all probably have a little junk food in our mind. You know, music we listen to, or TV shows we watch, or books we read. It's probably a little, and a little junk food's not going to kill you as long as it's in moderation. Uh, Danielle, last year, had an intervention with me. <laughs> She, uh, she sat me down and actually took my hands and she said, honey, I am worried about you. I said, honey, what, what's going on? I couldn't think of anything. She, she said, every time I walk by the bedroom, I notice you're listening to Pandora Disney Kids Radio. Is everything okay? <laughs> she thought I was having like a midlife crisis or something. I was just like, honey, I love Disney music. Like, this is the stuff I grew up on. Like, I love these songs. I need a little Hakuna Matata in my life every once in a while. All right? Now, it's not, like, there's not a lot of nutritional value in Disney music. 
but a little bit in moderation. I mean, it, it's okay. There's some other songs, music, TV shows that I watch. It's just that we need to have wisdom to know how much. Too much of it, and it'll make you sick eventually. That's why you need the nutritional foods. But here's the third one you got to watch out for. The third food is toxic foods. You got to watch out for the toxic foods. The, the things in culture that, that are just toxic for your mind. Friends, pornography, it's toxic for your mind. No one would eat rat poison. And that's what we do when we're looking at pornography. Or watching those, those, those movies or TV series that are just filled with violence that just seem to like create a lust for violence in us. Friends, the Bible says we've got to guard our minds. Now, you can't guard your mind 100%. You know, you're going to see things in culture. It's hard to always be, you know, able to guard 100%. Um, Martin Luther, the 16th century reformer, he said, you can't keep the birds from flying overhead. Meaning you can't control everything in your life. Satan can, has the freedom to try to plant those lies in your mind. I can't keep the birds from flying overhead, but I would add to that, you can keep them from pooping in your hair. Because I can, I can see them, and I can dive, and I can duck. So you don't have complete control over the things that you are exposed to and the things you see, but you do have some control. And I would encourage you to, especially in your home, Guard you and your family against the toxic foods that are out there. This is a big one in our culture. Friends, I'm going to end with this one, the last habit. you got to be filled with God's Spirit. Habit number five, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can we go back to that Romans passage? Romans 2.6, I think it was. Well, we, we read earlier that the, if we live according to our sinful nature, it says it leads to death. But when we're filled with the Spirit, the, the Bible tells us it, it leads to life and peace. And this is why it's so crucial, friends, that you, you pray, God, fill me with your Spirit. I wake up every morning and I pray, God, fill me, fill me, fill me with your Holy Spirit, with your presence. I want you to be a part of my life. I want you working and operating in my mind and thoughts that come to mind. It's so crucial. And the Bible tells us, what, what's the fruit of that? When God's working in our life, what is the fruit? Love. Joy. Anybody need just to be a little more filled, have more joyful thoughts, more hope-filled thoughts in your mind this morning? Peace. Anybody just need a little more peace? Have a mind that's, that's at peace? Patience. I certainly know I need more patience. With my kids and others. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Faithful thoughts. Gentleness. Help me to be gentle, God, with others. Help me to be gentle with myself. Some of us, were the hardest on ourselves. God, God will give you thoughts of grace for others and for, for yourself. And last, self-control. So we can start winning those battles that the sinful nature wars 
with our mind. Friends, some of you, maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit. In order to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to have the Holy Spirit. And the Bible teaches that God gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift when we place our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Maybe some of you this morning, you want to receive that gift, God's presence living and breathing inside of you. It starts when you say, Jesus, I'm ready. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. I want a relationship with you. If that's you, we want to send you a free resource and we want to help you take next steps. You can simply text, yes, Jesus, to the number 555-888. We'll send you out that free resource this week. But for others of you, you, you've already made that decision and you already have the Holy Spirit in you. But the Bible does teach you need fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. That you need to ask God on a regular basis, God, more, more of your Spirit at work in my life, at work in my mind and in my thoughts. And so that's how we're going to end this morning. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God would give us a fresh filling and that we could walk out of here this morning with more of God's Spirit alive in us. So I just ask you if you'd be willing to stand. I'd love to pray this for you. First, Heavenly Father, just, just thank you. Thank you that you help us with our minds. I know this is, this is a huge issue in our culture today, and, and we, we need you in this. We humble ourselves before you this morning and just ask for your help. We'd be better managers of, of the thoughts and the things that go on in our mind so that we can be transformed and be more like your son, Jesus Christ, winning more of those battles than we then we lose. And I know there's some in here this morning, they, they need help, God, and they're ready to make that decision. If that's you out there, you can just pray this in your heart. This is between you and God. You, you just say, God, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for what Jesus has done. For a sinner like me, Lord, may my sin be forgiven. And now, God, may you come into my life you give me this free gift, the Holy Spirit. And may you work inside of me so that my thoughts might be like your thoughts because your thoughts are good thoughts, Lord. Teach me those next steps and thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. And for the rest of us, Lord, I, I just pray for a fresh filling. In fact, I'm gonna ask us all this morning, if we, we could just say it together. Fill me, fill me, fill me. Let's say it, let's say it. Fill me, fill me, fill me, Lord. Let's do that one more time. Fill me, fill me, fill me, Lord, with more of your spirit. God, be at work in my life. Be at work in my family life. May you be more present in my life, in my home, and wherever I go, Jesus. Help me with my thought lives, my, my thoughts this week. And thank you for the help you give us. It comes from heaven. We need more of you. And we pray this in Jesus who makes it all possible. Amen. Church, I love you. If you did pray that prayer to receive Christ, I, I pray you will text us. Let us know. If, if you need more specific prayer, there's going to be people up front. They'd love to pray with you and help you out. Otherwise, go in peace. We'll see you next week.